There's a broken belief in the church world that in order to be good stewards, we have to be penny pinchers. Nothing could be further from the truth, according to Justin Firesheets. We'll talk about that next on the Church Solutions Podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other encouraging ideas for ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. Well, hello. Welcome again to the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. And I'm Steve Lacey. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing okay. Okay. It's another nice day here in Tucson, Arizona. You're troubleshooting as usual because that's what you do for a living, right? Yeah, it's my favorite thing. Yeah, well, that's okay. All right. Well, folks, thanks so much for being with us today. We're glad that you are here on another issue here or another episode. I, I don't know what number it is. It's like 985 or something. I don't know. We we did it since we've done it before the internet. So, you know, it goes back a long ways. But we have a special guest today, don't we, Steve? We do. Who do we have? <laughs> we have Justin Firesheets. Justin is the production director, or was the production director of Church of the Highlands. And uh, he's been, uh, he, he was the production director uh, there for many years. That's out of Birmingham, California. Let me shut my phone off here. Uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Is there even a Birmingham, California? Probably. Birmingham. If there, if there is, it's not nearly as much fun as Birmingham, Alabama. And barbecue isn't as good. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Birmingham, Alabama, been there since 2009, February 2009, and he was actually involved for like six years or so working in in sports broadcasting industry. We'll have to talk about that sometime. I, I love that. And he's also responsible for, well, he was, I say was, because now he is actually serving as the technology project manager at the Highlands, but uh, he was worked with for many years with volunteers and equipment and and all that good stuff. And and so I, I think it's fair to say you're pretty qualified to talk uh, to us today, don't you think, Justin? Well, if anything, I'm excited to be here. After 980-something episodes, you guys have run out of good people to have on, so I'm <laughs> was left at this point, I think. Yeah, well, you know. So uh, all seriousness aside, we're, we're very happy that you're here today. And uh, you've written lots of articles over the years. And there's one that caught my eye a while back, uh, because I deal with this quite a bit. We work with churches. Uh, and we've been doing that for 20 years now. And the article is called Good Stewardship Doesn't Equal Cheap. And uh, I, I like that. Uh, and you go on to say there's this kind of broken belief in the church that, uh, that, well, you know, older, in, in order to, to be good stewards, uh, you, you know, you got to be kind of a penny pincher there. And you say, you say, Justin, that nothing is further from the truth. So let's elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, you say stewardship does not equal cheap. Tell us more. Yeah, so I, I think it's, it's a word that I think people use with good intentions, but I think sometimes it kind of gets uh, misdefined, so to speak, um, because a lot of times when people look through the lens of stewardship, they're only thinking about the just the off the top financial cost. But when you're making decisions, it's not just how much does this equipment or thing cost right now. It's uh, you know there's a cost of ownership involved. How long is this going to last? Uh, are we going to have to have more 
spare uh, equipment pieces on hand now because we bought this thing instead of another thing. You have to have more spare inventory in case this one breaks. And what if it doesn't last as long as something else would have? Now do we end up spending twice as much money on a solution, whereas if we had just done it right the first time, it could have been more efficient. Um, but a lot of people also don't think about just the man hours involved in troubleshooting and maintaining and replacing and upkeeping. Uh, what about the emotional and psychological investment of just the stress of wondering, is this going to work? How long is it going to last? Oh, no, it's on its last legs. Is it going to be difficult to get my leadership to be willing to spend money to replace this because we just bought it? And now are they going to lose trust and faith and confidence in me because, I, you know, we bought this and now we got to replace it, blah, blah. So there's so much more that goes into decisions other than just the price tag on the thing. And stewardship really is a is it's a it's a decision made out of wisdom of what's the best decision we can make right now, given all the factors involved, money, time, resources, people. Um, and so we have to look through a broader lens than just the checkbook and think, you know, in, in the best interest of everybody involved, what's the best way to handle this? And sometimes that may mean we need to spend more money on something right out of the gate because it's going to bring peace of mind. It's going to last longer. There's going to be less man hours involved in maintaining it. There's less stress. There's less replacement costs. There's less issues to worry about, less support deal. Uh, there may be better warranty service that comes with the price. There could be all kinds of factors that lead into justifying it. But just because something is cheaper always mean it's the best idea. Mm, that is so true. I, uh, I'm going to let Steve uh, challenge you on that. But uh, uh, it makes me think a little bit about this hobby that I have. I do off-roading. And uh, there's probably only two or 3% of the people out there that can relate to this, but uh, I built my Jeep and I just kept, instead of building it the way I wanted it to begin with, I just kind of little by little started to upgrade it, but I kept breaking things and breaking these. Michael Gray was here. He's one of our coworkers. He could totally relate to this because he has a Jeep. And finally, after spending thousands and thousands of dollars of my son's college fund, uh, uh, now I have the Jeep the way I want it. But uh, if I would have done it right the first time, if I would have had the vision to do it right, and I know this may not relate to church technology or equipment, but I think in some ways it would, because I think if you had the vision and, and what you really were, where you want to be at to begin with, you'd probably save a lot of money, time, and heartache. Absolutely. And, and, and something I think that, again, people maybe don't do as much as they should is when they're making any sort of, of financially uh, invested decision thinking through the, the, the cost of ownership and what is the five-year and 10-year plan looking like for this? Because it's one thing to spend X amount of money right now on a piece of equipment or a new facility or something like that. But there's also the cost of what is it going to look like to maintain this for the next several years? You know, the operational costs and, you know, electrical impact or man-hour impact that's going to go into this. But then how many years worth of return are we going to get out of this before we're going to need another capital expense to replace this? So nothing is going to last for forever. And anybody that's making wise financial decisions in ministry would be uh, doing themselves a disservice if they didn't also plan uh, what is the next cycle for this going to look like. You know, you don't want to be caught behind the eight ball having to scrounge pennies out of the couch cushions to pay for something that's that's a high cost. You want to know, okay, in five years, we're going to have to replace this. So let's start saving small amounts of money now so 
make this expense, we're not having to make the expense based on what's cheap and what can we afford because we've been saving for it for several years. Now we can make the best decision. We're not making a resource-driven decision and we're doing what we need to do because we've been planning for it effectively. And again, the planning piece is an overlooked part of stewardship as well. I think too many folks in leadership, and, and this isn't because people are bad leaders per se, there's a lot of reactive decisions that people make and sometimes this maybe I just don't have the mental capacity or the margin or the team depth or whatever to plan longer term. And so we, 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 we're stuck scrambling, uh, trying to just uh, make ends meet as best we can, because this is the thing that popped up right now. Maybe we don't as, spend as much time as we should looking down the road. Uh, and, and, and again, that needs to be a tool in our arsenal as we're planning ahead. So you've got a, a version of this that um, in your article you had written, but I, I had a guy that, that worked with me um, years ago and he had this sign over his desk and said, you can have it good, fast, cheap, pick any. Yeah, pick two out of the three. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So you can have it good and fast, but it's not going to be cheap and you can have it, you know, good, good and, and cheap, <laughs> but it ain't going to be fast. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or fast and cheap and it ain't going to be good. Right, exactly. But but a lot of that, I think, um, can show in a way what is the priority of the organization. Mm. Are we thinking short-term? Are we thinking long-term? Um, do we feel like we have the freedom to make good decisions because we have confidence in how we're running our organization and how we're presenting vision to our congregants so that they feel comfortable tithing for things so we're not worried about whether we're going to be able to pay the bills or not. I think so much of this ties in. So when there's a big decision to be made, it's, you know, do I have confidence in the environment around me, the people around me, the way we're structured and built and we we're managing ourselves so that I know we can make a good decision right now, or are we just scrambling trying to find it fast and cheap because that's the best we can do, you know? Exactly. As a, so if, as a pastor listening to this, uh, Maybe I've got a small church. Maybe it's a relatively new church. You know, I may have a hundred people and I, let's say, you know, I, I get what you're saying here, Justin, but, but, you know, my goodness, I can't afford, I, I just can't afford it right now. You know, touch on that a little bit because you know, you got to start somewhere. Right. And sure. so when it comes to, let's just say streaming video, you know, because that's kind of what we do. Yep. Uh, you know, I need two or three cameras. I need this encoder. I need better internet. Uh, but I can't afford it. So uh, can I just get this cheap little tripod and try it? I mean, you know, from the other side of the coin here, where would you say, how would you address that question? Yeah. And, and this really ties in with another uh, term that is misused a lot, which is excellence. A lot of people are convinced that in order to be excellent, something has to be expensive. Um, or there has to be a big team involved, or there um, has to be a, a, a lots of campuses or lots of people coming. No, no, excellence really just means we're doing the best we can with what we have, and we're willing to reassess the effectiveness of what we're doing and, and make changes if we need to. It's, it's a mentality that says, I'm not going to settle and be complacent. I'm always wanting to do the best I possibly can and, and just reevaluate and see if we can get better. There's nothing wrong with starting small and growing. Every organization has to start at one point so that you can grow into the next season. You can't have everything at once. When the, when the Israelites were freed out of Egypt and they were trying to navigate for the promised land, God promised them, I'm going to give you this land little by little. 
because if I gave it all at once, you're not big enough to be able to take territory over because enemies are going to come in and the wild plants and the thorns are going to grow up because you're not ready for all of this. And so again, stewardship is like, I'm going to take, I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got. I'm going to manage it well. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to figure out how to get better. And then I'm going to have a plan so that when more recess, more resources come in uh, to the ministry, I know what steps I need to take to, so I can move to the next level. There's nothing wrong with starting your stream with an iPhone that's going straight to Facebook Live. There are thousands of churches that have been doing that for the last year during the pandemic, and they are fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't want to now be a church of 5,000, and that's all that I'm doing. Like There's a point where that worked great for the size that we were at, but I need to have a plan on where we want to go. Because I need to be able to present vision to my church leaders, my board, my deacons, my congregation, so that they can get hungry and excited about the vision so that they know there's something they can invest with that's worthwhile. We have a plan and we have a strategy for how to grow and what we want to do. I need to keep that in front of people so that they can be excited about the, the future of the ministry. And so I can be excellent on step one. But I need to have a vision for how to get to step two, and I need to be able to communicate it well because my people in my congregation are resources that I have to steward as well. Stewardship isn't just about money and stuff. It's about people and their time and their vision and their energy, and I have to use the volunteers wisely. I have to use my staff wisely. And I'm not a good steward of people resources if I am wasting people's time on a dead-end strategy that's going nowhere. That's why I always have to be pursuing next steps as a leader. Where are we trying to go? What is it going to take to get my people from where we are now to where we want to be? How can I help them grow and develop to get there? It's all part of the stewardship puzzle. It's not just about spending money. It's about leading and managing people that we've been entrusted with also. Yeah. So there's, there's no shortcuts. You're where you're at um, capability wise is going to kind of match where you are at as a church. Sure. And there's no, you kind of got to do the, the time and gain the experience to move to the next step. I can't go from the iPhone to, you know, 12 cameras and switched and remote control all in one step. There's no, there's no shortcuts or if you, or if you do take those shortcuts, you tend to fall on your face, I would assume. Absolutely. You know, there's so much of this. It's the, the principle of the talents. You know, um, you know, we've all been given resources to do something with. And it's our job to steward those well, uh, because, again, just looking from a, from a people standpoint, Ephesians says that we're God's masterpieces. And if he's looking around for a church home to plant his masterpieces in so that they can feel fulfilled and connected with a ministry that's vibrant and active and making a difference, and they know that they're contributing and serving and, and lives are being changed, God isn't going to steer his masterpieces to an organization that's not already handling their current masterpieces to the best of their ability. And so I don't have any right to expect more of something if I can't already demonstrate my ability to manage what I've got already, you know? Um, and so I have to demonstrate an ability to grow what I already have. Excuse me while I need to call. Excuse me. I don't have any right to expect growth or to expect more of something if I haven't demonstrated the ability to grow 
already have. And so much of my future growth is dependent upon, do I have systems in place to allow for growth? Okay, I've got five people on my team and I want 50. Well, if I had 50, do I know what I would do with those 50? Do I have a process in place to train them and schedule them and develop them? Do you know, oh, I have this equipment, but I wish I had this other equipment. Well, are you spending the time necessary to learn all you can possibly learn about this equipment that you already have? If not, then you're going to be just as clueless with the new equipment. New equipment doesn't solve problems. It can expose gaps in your learning base, you know, more than anything. Like if you can't learn the basic gear, then how are you going to learn the complicated gear? You know, see, we all have to demonstrate our ability to manage the resources we've already been given before we've quote unquote earned the right to expect more things to be handed out our way. Not saying that anything is based on, you know, earns earning or merited, you know, any of this, but earthly favor a lot of times is, is rooted in stewardship. People see what you have done with what you've been given and they are then willing to smile favorably upon you and bless you with more things, you know? And so at some level, we all have control of what doors we can open for ourselves based on how we handle what we've already been kind of assigned to. That's a really good point. Go ahead, Steve. So there's there's a marriage between the equipment and the people that I think is really important here. And, you know, my mind goes to a lot of people will be, uh, you know, they'll, they'll look at what is the big mega church doing and, oh, they're using brand XYZ product. So we, that's got obviously the best product and that may not be the right fit for my church based on not only just, you know, that may be one of the best pieces of equipment out there, but it might not be a good fit for my church based on, you know, my team and that sort of thing. So I, Absolutely. I assume we yeah, it, people, you know, being a, being a large church, people reach out to our team all the time. Hey, what are you guys using? What gear do you use for this? How do you do that? And I am very careful, have always been very careful about recommending specific equipment to people because what works in our context may not work well in your context. You know, you may have different variables or factors that would influence your decisions versus what what we are, are having to, to do. We all have different filters based on what we're trying to accomplish. And that's not it just financial. It's team size and skill. It's my personal size and, you know, the skill set. It's, you know, how many campuses are we and how big and what are we trying to do about, you know, ministry vision, whatever. You know, so there's so many factors there. Really what I always try to do is I just try to ask people questions. Well, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, um, what, what is your, what is your ministry leadership trying to do? You know, what are they presenting, uh, putting before you that, what problem are you trying to solve? And then have they talked about growth at all that you need to factor into that? And as you look at a particular camera or streaming platform or lighting console, here are factors that you need to take into account because all of these factors are going to influence cost. So you need to decide which factors are worth investing in and which ones may not be a big deal in your context. So what we are using may not be what you should use for a variety of reasons. Um, And so, uh, and and again, some of it is like Steve, like you were saying that just the people tie in, you know, I need to know as a leader, it's my job to set my team up for success. I am not setting my team up for success when I take out, simple equipment A and replace it with 
complicated equipment X. Uh, because now I have overwhelmed them with a, a, an incredible learning curve and people can panic and freak out and they can get scared away by that. If I want to grow the equipment that we're using, I need to, I need to make sure I have a plan and a process in place to grow the people on my team so that they are capable of using that equipment. And so I need to ask myself, do I have an effective process of even training our volunteers? Like if we want to replace this audio console with another one, how in the world am I going to train our new people on this? Do I need to slowly ramp this up and have them watch some tutorials online to learn about, you know, uh, what Dante basics or some sort of digital compression setting or whatever that's going to be different than what we're currently doing now? Do I need to implement some some training road so that people can understand these concepts and these basics so that when this new equipment gets here, their baseline knowledge has increased so that they're better off starting with this new technology that we might be putting in front of them? Or, you know, do we need to have a regular training night where people come in during the week and they get their hands on something and they try it and they play around or whatever else? Do we need to figure out how to do a virtual sound check scenario where we can record everything in multi-tracks and then go play it back when it's not a service so people can learn some of these things without the stress of trying to do it on Sunday morning during a rehearsal when we're also trying to prep for a service, you know? So it's not just about the gear. It's about how are we setting the people up for success when they try to run the gear? Because I can have the greatest gear on the planet, but if I don't have a healthy and effective team to run it, it's worthless. It's a $10,000 paperweight. And now I've compromised my, my credibility with my leadership because I've put something uh, on the team that we can't, we're not even ready to use because I haven't set them up for success yet. What kind of resources are out there for, say I have a team, a church of, I don't know, a hundred, and I've got a real small team driving this thing. And I want to bring their level up and bring the equipment level up. And, and, you know, is it, it may be, I would assume there would be training seminars, go and visit with other church teams, or what would you recommend to help move that along? Yeah. So, you know, some of the best things are going to be free or no cost. Many, a lot of manufacturers have uh, training videos or tutorials on their website where you can learn about certain things and get overviews of it. You can Google certain topics and ideas that you're trying to learn, and you can read up on what is happening in the industry. You can watch YouTube videos to get as much information as you could possibly dream of just about the, the technology behind it. You can watch other churches' Sunday services to see how they do what they do, and then look at their website to see if it lists any of their staff people's names on there. Or go to their Instagram page and see if you can, you know, figure out who some of these people are and, and hit them up with a DM and just see if you can find some time to ask them questions. You know, there are uh, all kinds of resources where you can do uh, trainings and certifications. Some of them have cost involved. Some of them are free. Like you can take some entry level Dante classes for free. There are audio training uh, classes through MXU, uh, SALT conference, which happens every fall in Nashville. They have a resource called Salt University, which is training materials for all different kinds of church disciplines. Philo, another uh, church conference, has resources through their website. There are magazine articles that you can read and blogs that you can read. Uh, but honestly, some of my favorites, some of the best ways that I have learned is just personal relationships with other churches that are doing things. 
there are other people in your town that would love to spend time with you and show you how they do what they do. I guarantee. And a lot of us use the excuse of being introverts as to why we don't pick up the phone or type out the email or go knock on the front door and cold call. But sometimes that's not an excuse. If my ministry has expected me to lead a team and implement vision, I've got to figure out how to do whatever it takes to make that happen. And there's, there's no reason whatsoever why I can't just, you know, call another tech guy at a church in town and say, Hey, can I come over sometime and just get a tour of your facility and see what you guys have? Or can we go to lunch or go to coffee? I'll pay for it. I just want to be able to pick your brain and ask some questions. Some of the best resources that I have been exposed to in my 12 years of being at Highlands have just been through personal relationships I have built with other people. So now if our ministry leaders present uh, uh, something to us and I say, you know what, I don't know how to do that, but I know a church that does, I've got somebody that I can call or reach out to and ask for questions and then bring that back to the table and say, hey, you guys wanted to know how, you know, East Bumblefuzz Church of the Deliverance, this certain thing. Well, here's how they do it. I called their guy and here's the answers. Do we want to try this out? It's that easy. Yeah, it's all about relationships, isn't it? Absolutely. All right, so we're running out of time here, uh, but speaking of relationships, uh, Justin Firesheets has been our guest today. How can folks uh, find more of your of your material? Do you have a website? Do you have a blog? Are you selling some books? Uh, tell us how people can connect <laughs> no, with you. No, I, I, I don't. I don't have a personal website, nor do I have a SoundCloud. Uh, you know, that's always the big thing when, when okay. people read it a billion times. Uh, I do write a lot of articles for Church Production Magazine, so you can. Uh, find a lot through their archives on various things that I've, I've posted about, about team building or leadership. Uh, but you can also reach out and email me directly uh, at firesheets. That's my last name, firesheets at churchofthehighlands, with an S, dot com. So you're welcome to reach out, and we, I'd love to find some time to talk and get to know you. Uh, I, I love uh, building relationships with people all across the country. Um Church size is not an indicator of intelligence. You can learn something from anybody at any church. And I love especially hearing how folks are doing ministry at smaller churches, because sometimes when you're more constrained with budget or team size, you have to be more creative in solving your problems. And it's amazing uh, what folks are able to do and come up with. It blows my mind. And I love hearing how creative people are able to get when it comes to solving some problems that their ministry has for them. Yeah, absolutely. All right. His name is Justin Firesheets, and he is with Church of the Highlands. He's actually the technology uh, project manager there now. What, what does a project manager do? Real, real quickly, what is that all yeah, about? Yeah, mainly I, I walk around uh, holding a notepad, looking very busy, uh, like I'm somewhere <laughs> important. And I do that enough, and people think, man, that guy's going somewhere in a hurry. He must be busy. You know? That's right. That's right. No, I, I, no we're, we're, uh, we're fortunate in that we've got a lot of things going on here. And so helping manage a lot behind the scenes, especially with our IT department, because, you know, the world, as we know it now, everything is on the network, whether it's AV equipment, whether it's computer equipment, obviously, or just, you know, the Internet of Things, building management and all that sort of stuff. So doing a lot of work uh, closely with our IT team, managing a lot of those infrastructure type projects, but also working with a lot of construction projects as we build new campuses. Uh, And we have a ministry school here, Highlands College. I'm working with them uh, on some new technology initiatives that they're trying to implement as they look at growing and doing some expansion over the next year with a a big building project. So it's exciting. There's a lot to do. 
Uh, it's different than being in the live event and live production world. Uh, but there's a lot that has to go on at a, at a church Monday through Saturday just to make sure that Sundays are successful. And so that's really what we're trying to focus on right now. Yeah. And, and how, how large is uh, Church of the Highlands? I mean, you know, when somebody asks you, you know, your weekend services, you've got multiple yeah. campuses. Uh, yeah. So we're, we've got 23 locations. Pre-pandemic, we were right at about 55,000 in in-person yeah. attendance. Now we're, you know, maybe around 30,000 or so on the weekends. You know, obviously attendance has taken a hit everywhere. Uh, in person, but you know, that, that has been growing, you know, over the last uh, eight or nine months uh, since we resumed in-person services back in the fall. So we're really hoping that as the weather warms up, as more people get uh, vaccinated or more, more comfortable uh, re-engaging in public, uh, really trying to, to do a lot of rebuilding with re-strengthening teams and, and kind of reinvesting in a lot of that uh, at, at many of our campuses right now. Will it ever be the same? No, and I think that's a good thing uh, because I think it's easy when things are working in any level at any organization. When things are working, sometimes it's easy to take for granted that you can just roll out of bed and it works a certain way. And I think all of us, uh, we do ourselves a favor when we are constantly reassessing what we're doing and what's working, what do we need to change. And obstacles and speed bumps and hurdles, in the short term, they seem like... uh, like, like a negative, but it really, with the right mentality, it's a positive because it makes you reassess what you're doing, what's important, what are your values, what are you spending your time and energy on and money on? Are we investing in the right things? Do we need to pivot to be more successful? And so my hope is that every organization, whether ministry or not, is learning from the last year and is learning how to be more successful because I don't think we should want to go back to the way things were. We, we should hope to do the best we can with the new reality of whatever that is moving forward, because what got us here may not serve us well over the next five or 10 years. Yeah. All right. Justin Firesheets, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank on. you guys. I appreciate yeah. you having me on. Thank you yeah, so much. We'll, we'll, we won't wait another 980 episodes. <laughs> we'll have you on again if you, if you want to be on again. Perfect. Sounds like a plan. All right. And uh, Steve Lacey, thank you so much for your time today as well. Glad to be here. And folks, we sure appreciate you so much. And you can always subscribe to the Church Solutions Podcast wherever you get your podcast. I'm Phil Thompson. Take care of yourselves. We'll catch you again next time.